Hello and welcome to ESM Squared, the podcast for experienced social media marketers. I'm Emily, your host and long-term member of the team here at Iconosquare. Iconosquare is one of the leading analytics and management tools for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and TikTok. We're proud to work with some of the biggest agencies in the world, as well as huge brands such as Patagonia, Sephora, Versace and even NASA. If you're new to Iconosquare or just haven't got around to checking out our tools before, you can start with the basics by heading over to audit.iconosquare.com and getting a free audit of your Instagram and Facebook accounts to find out once and for all where you're flying high and where you're falling flat. These audits are extremely helpful when it comes to identifying problem areas and efficiently improving your social media strategy. If you're a regular listener of ESM Squared, you'll know that we have two types of episode, the interviews with social media experts where professionals share with me and all of you their experiences working with social media, as well as their internal strategy, tips, tricks, and more. And we also have tutorial episodes in which I talk about a particular topic, which can often be a burning question for social media marketers like you and help guide you into making strong decisions for your social strategy. This episode is an interview, and I was delighted to interview Bella Foxwell, a freelance Instagram strategist who is also a long-time contributor to Iconosquare's blog. Bella is also the human behind the Instagram account The Doors of London and has an interesting story to tell about her journey to becoming a freelancer in the social media space. So if you're working freelance or for an agency, this episode is for you because Bella is a well of knowledge and inspiration. I'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating once you're done listening. And don't forget, you can trial Iconosquare for free and you don't need to share any credit card information to get started. Contact me directly for any questions or feedback via emily at iconosquare.com. So Bella, you've been an Instagram strategist for seven years. Congratulations. Can you tell me some more about your business, how it started and where you are today? Of course. So it's been a bit of a a weird journey to get here, as I think is the case with most self-employed people and social media freelancers. So I started working at a big digital marketing agency about, yeah, about seven or eight years ago. And that is where I first fell in love with social media and specifically Instagram. And I was tasked with growing the Instagram accounts of brands like Canon and Disney. And at that time, even though Instagram had been around for about four or five years, it still felt like very new territory, very uncharted. And a lot of brands didn't really know what they were doing and they didn't know the potential of Instagram, which feels bizarre to say now, you know, sitting here in 2022. And at the time, I was experimenting myself with social media. I wasn't really on it that much. And I decided to set myself a challenge. Could I grow an Instagram account using the same strategies that I was employing for these big brands? And could I see the same results? And 2015 Instagram was a bit different to today. So it was all about the imagery. It was all about being very, very specific with your niche. So down to the imagery you were sharing. So if you could share the same type of image again and again, you would likely grow. So I thought, right, what is going to be my real focus? And I picked front doors in London because, you know, there's so many of them in London. I didn't need to feature in the photos. And I set up this Instagram account called The Doors of London. And I posted every day. I engaged with the community. And it grew. This really niche Instagram account kind of exploded and grew a really loyal fan base. And I, yeah, I fell in love with Instagram. And and from there, I started consulting on the side. I started helping other small business owners utilize Instagram strategically. 
And a few years later, I decided, could I turn this into a career? Could I make this my actual full-time job doing it myself? Um, So I left that initial digital marketing agency, went into PR, was always doing the Instagram consultancy on the side. And then at the end of 2019, I took the leap and I'd grown enough of a reputation and had a small roster of clients. And yeah, that's where we are today. Amazing. Such a cool journey to have like gone out on your own and, and, and found something that you're actually really good at and then made a business out of it. It was a strange, it's funny that front doors led me here, but <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So I was going to say that obviously as an Instagram strategist today, uh, social media is still a huge part of your business coming from the, the account, the doors of London. And obviously that's part of your portfolio as well is your, your Instagram account, which you created those, those few years ago. Um, how did you go about um, building up the account? Like, can you tell me more about the about the account, The Doors of London, and also your your current account now, Bella Foxwell? Yeah, of course. So, as I as I mentioned earlier, it was a very Instagram was a very different beast when I set up The Doors of London, but lots of the same principles still apply. So, when I started The Doors of London, it was about posting every single day. That's what I did. I posted every single day of the week, which was a lot of work. But really what grew the account was engaging with the community. There is there is such an engaged community for almost every industry and niche on that platform. You can find a group of like-minded people who are interested in the same things as you. And I found that with lots of London-based creators, but also people from all over the world who are fascinated with architecture and London as a city and beautiful, you know, beautiful interiors and exteriors. So I made sure to engage with those people as well as the local community. And I became friends with a lot of them. And we are support to each other, both online and offline because there were lots of in real you know in real life meetups as well that really helped to propel lots of us and lots of us grew at the same time so that was how I grew back then and as you mentioned I have another Instagram account now which is very much focused on the services that I offer other business owners so the Instagram consultancy the the content creation and that is a That's different. You know, growing that is different because it's very much now about more video content. It's about not posting every single day, but posting really high quality content still, but just making sure that if you're only posting three or four times a week, which is all that I really do now, I just make sure that every single post is value packed. But the same rules apply with engaging. You know, I I still go out and I proactively engage. I'm still sending voice notes to new followers that I get because I think that sometimes with the with the changes that have come about with Instagram sometimes we forget that it still is about that one-to-one connection with people and for all its foibles and for all of the things we complain about Instagram is really great at facilitating that so that helps me grow so yeah it's different it's different tactics um but it's been yeah it's been an interesting evolution with both of them and seeing how how to grow yeah these two different accounts and these two different communities yeah and obviously your experience with the doors of london uh gave you a kind of head start into how to grow this new account this but this bella foxwell account for your business um can we talk about your target audience ideal customer profile for the bella foxwell account um 
who are you targeting? Who is your ideal client? And, and how else do you communicate with them apart from Instagram? Because I guess it's not just Instagram. No, it is not just Instagram. So interestingly, my Bella Foxwell Instagram account is primarily targeted at, I like to call them like baby solopreneurs. So entrepreneurs and freelancers and business owners who are in quite a similar position to myself. So they're in the early-ish days of freelancing or running their business. They might not be quite as new as I am. Um, They may be even newer. You know, I've been doing this now properly freelancing. I've been doing it for about two years. So generally, they're in a similar situation. They've been freelancing or running their business for a couple of years. And that is really what my, who my Instagram account is targeting. And so I'm providing helpful tips and tutorials and how-tos on that account. And then elsewhere, I am actually targeting more established businesses um, and not necessarily solopreneurs, but you know, businesses who have a smaller team of people. And so through LinkedIn and through live workshops, actually, that is generally where I tend to generate more of my more established businesses. And I end up getting work with those bigger bigger businesses and brands. Can you tell us maybe how many clients you're working with at the moment and 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 perhaps also maybe compare that to what you would say is a good number of clients, what you'd feel comfortable with? Yes, I was thinking about this today because currently, um, I guess it really depends on the type of work you're doing because I've shifted slightly Last year, I was very much doing strategy work. So I wasn't really doing much of the actual content creation. And that has changed this year. So last year, when I was doing that, I, at any one time, I could have had, you know, eight, nine, 10 clients, but that was, that was manageable and doable because it was, it was less intensive. I, you know, content creation and social media management is a really big full-time job and that is more of what I've been doing this year so currently with that being more of my focus I have about four or five retainer clients I say four or five because one of them is slightly a lighter load of work so I have four that are pretty much social media management and content creation on a monthly basis and as it is primarily just me running my business that is that feels like a good number having said that that is one stream of income for myself I also do freelance writing for wonderful brands like Iconosquare, Square and I also do lots of live workshops and you know online and in person for businesses as well so like many freelancers, I don't just have the one stream of income. I have a few. So I would say based on that, the four to five clients at the moment is a good amount for me. (laughs) Wow. It sounds like you've got your hands full, like the hustle, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes. Although uh, hustle, but also this is a good, where I'm at right now is I do work. I do work hard, but I've managed to find a balance where I am happy with it. I'm not working, cra- you know, I'm not working long into the night. I'm not working too much on weekends as I was doing a couple of years ago. And I do think it's really important. You know, of course, we all go through phases like that. And especially when we first start freelancing. But I think there's been a bit of a, a reckoning this year and probably post pandemic with, yes, we could all be working all hours of the day. And I, I could be doing that and I could probably be earning more money, but I also now really want to have a balance. And so it's about, it's about finding that sweet spot between earning enough, but not killing myself 
and managing to maintain some semblance of a work-life balance. So yeah, and that's part of what we uh, we also want to try and teach via the ESM Squared blog and also this podcast is uh, for other freelancers kind of in your position. I think that the balance is kind of the holy grail. I think it's it must be a difficult thing to attain, right? So I think you could probably give a lot of tips on that kind of work-life happiness balance. Yeah, and actually one of the, the things that, that, as you mentioned on, on Icon of Squares blog, the ESM Squared blog, what we talk about is systems and processes and automations. And this is particularly important when you are working on your own. And when you're working with it, I mean, as and then as you expand to grow a team, you need those systems and processes in place so that you can really easily hand them over to somebody and your business can continue to run as it has been. And that is a real, real lesson because going from being employed and working in the corporate world to working for yourself it can feel very chaotic for the first I mean some people manage to get into the you know systematizing things very quickly I didn't and it's taken me a bit longer to get to that place and if I could give anyone any advice it would be try to start putting those systems and processes in place as soon as you can they will evolve and they will, you know, you will go back and iterate them because as you grow and change, so will those systems and processes need to change. But having them in place, even, you know, a skeleton structure and system in place, it does help so much because so much of running your business, you know, yes, the client work is one part of it, but so, you know, you've got the admin, you've got the finance, you've got all of those other administrative tasks. And if you don't have some systems in place, they can end up taking so much of your time and you can end up doing the same things repetitively. So yes, I think that getting those in place has been a real game changer for, for, for helping me get that work-life balance. Moving back to the social media uh, clients that you work with on a monthly basis. So I think mm-hmm. you said for uh, kind yeah. of full-time social media management um can you tell me about their goals um like what kind of things are, are they are they looking for you to achieve for them and how do you mm-hmm. go about achieving those objectives for them yeah this is a great question um because everyone's goal of course um, and I think many social media freelancers and creatives will will understand this everyone's goal on online and on social is more leads, more inquiries, more sales. You know, generally speaking, that is what most of the businesses that we work with, that is their, you know, that is what they want. And when I work with clients, we usually work on a bit of a phased approach because as much as I wish that it wasn't the case, obviously you don't just post a few times on Instagram and suddenly sell out your products and your services. It's a long game, you know, and I think it is hard for some brands and businesses to wrap their head around that. And that's part of our role working in the social media space to really educate on that and to manage expectations. And so in in the first instance, it's about setting those, setting those foundations so that you can be consistent. Your content is really high quality. And as we've touched on already in this podcast, not putting all your eggs in one basket, you know, be it Instagram, be it Facebook, be it LinkedIn, but utilizing other forms of marketing as well, like email and YouTube and and understanding that you can have, you know, Instagram working really well with email marketing in tandem. So not just not just focusing on, on one platform. So when I set goals on Instagram, for example, we start with increasing reach and engagement. Um, and if I'm working with clients on influencer marketing, then that is one tactic that we will then bring in to 
to start increasing that awareness and that reach and then to help drum up sales. If not, if I'm not working with them on influencer marketing, I do work with a couple of fashion brands on that. But if I'm not doing any influencer marketing, then really to start drumming up those sales, it's more about proactively and intentionally engaging with ideal clients on the platform to start nurturing those relationships and building that know, like, and trust factor. So yeah, it is, it, it's not kind of a, um, a clear cut approach with every brand. Obviously, every brand has, they're at different phases of their social media journey. Some businesses that I work with have been posting brilliant content consistently for a while. So they've really done the job of nurturing their audience with valuable content. And now it's about slightly shifting gears into, okay, how can we actually start converting this audience? And, you know, that they're a much warmer audience that are ready to convert. And then I work with other businesses who are right at the beginning of their social media journey and it's about okay we're not going to sell everything immediately we need to build relationships with people on the platform we need to start building engagement and we've got to give a little bit first before we can expect to get sales and inquiries in return but having said all of that it is really important to set those goals so it's just about setting those goals and revisiting them every single month and as I said having that phased approach. Can you tell me um, what kind of industries like you're working with I think did you mention restaurants to me before like without like name dropping telling me the names. (laughs) So it's um, actually with with the strategy work I was doing last year it was very interesting because I was working with all kinds of industries and businesses so I worked with a lot of independent freelancers so it was anything from copywriters to business coaches to photographers and now I've shifted a little bit more into now that I'm doing a lot of the content creation for these businesses I am primarily working with the the interior space and fashion so I've got a lot of interior designers and architects and then I've got some couture fashion designers as well so funnily enough two industries that I myself am kind of obsessed with I have ended up working really closely with some businesses in in those spaces so yeah it's a lot of fun it makes the process of content creation very enjoyable wow yeah that sounds it must make things much much easier I mean not that I'm not passionate about social media analytics of course I am (laughs) (laughs) and you're right and you know it as with all of it as as with social media analytics as with fashion it comes with its challenges and one of the challenges of interiors and fashion particularly when we're talking about instagram is that they are such saturated markets and you know in some ways i i sometimes sit here and wish i could turn back the clock and do what you know wish i was doing what i was doing now six years ago with all the knowledge that i have because i could just dominate instagram i would just i would just be selling out of these businesses services and products but you know in 2022 it is more of a challenge and it's about it, it's about having those fundamental you know, the, the, the fundamentals of great content, but also being mindful of all the changes that have come about. And okay, how do we stand out when there is a sea of competition and competitors on Instagram who are doing really, really good things? Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree with you. Um, there was one thing also which uh, stood out, which you were mentioning earlier about um, working with um, doing some influencer marketing. Um, mm. I was wondering, does that mean that you deal with the influencers yourself? Or does everything go via the, the the business that you're working with? Or how does that work? 
It, yeah, and it, again, it depends of business to business. Generally speaking, it kind of it it goes through them, but I help on agreements and contracts and what are we expecting from the influencer so I help a little bit with that it's definitely something it's actually interestingly it's something I did a lot more when I first started doing any kind of social media work back at the agency seven years ago um, when I was working on building Canon's Instagram account and presence influencer marketing was something that we did a lot and it is really what catapulted Canon's growth because there are so many people who are just avid Canon fans and so and a lot of those early Canon lovers were also early adopters to Instagram so it was just the perfect kind of the perfect match of brand and social media platform so it's funny and fun to revisit that work now with working with influencers and yeah again you know just just how much things have changed but yeah it's a it's a fun challenge I wanted to know where your content inspiration comes from it comes from questions that I get, not just on Instagram, in the DMs and on comments, but also just the daily conversations I'm having with my clients one-to-one and the questions that they have when we have our monthly catch-ups, questions that they have about why things are and aren't working. So that is generally where I get a lot of my inspiration. And I also get a lot of inspiration from my own experiences and insights. So literally from my Instagram insights what am I seeing what is resonating with people what am I getting you know what is getting the most saves what is getting the most comments so yeah those two areas are, are where I get most of my inspiration and all of this content, do you create it yourself? I mean, obviously I've seen the reels. I know that you create all the reels yourself. <laughs> but how about like the more graphic elements and the 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 in-feed posts on your on your Instagram account? Yeah, so speaking of using my Instagram insights for content inspiration, I the reason that I do that a lot is because I do create all of the content myself and you know as anybody knows whether they are whether social media social media is their job or not content creation for yourself is hard work and it's time consuming so I I talking about systematizing and processes I use Canva and I use templates a lot to help me speed up that process and I'm using my insights all the time because I am obsessed with repurposing and I always say to people do not reinvent the wheel and you know this is the beauty of something a platform like Iconosquare where you can go in and you can see your insights go and use those analytics to guide your future content never sit down with a blank page and think oh my god I've got to be fresh and original and new you really don't it you know people People are telling you what they want by the signals that they're giving through comments, save, shares, and so on. So yeah, that, that's how I managed to keep on top of all the content creation myself by using those time-saving hacks. Yeah, and you're completely right what you just said. That is speaking the language of analytics. Like that's that's how we speak here at Icon Square. <laughs> you can't really be on social media without uh, without checking out your performance and looking at the stats these days because as you say, it's so saturated. There's so much competition and so so many different trends all the time and things coming out that if you don't stay on top of it and really data driven decisions, then you can't make it up these days, right? No. No, no, and the, and also you don't have time to make it up. You know, it, it, that that you know, it, it's it's hugely beneficial for you, and it's hugely beneficial for your audience to really lean into and to look at what they are resonating with, because then you will give them more of what they want, and you will make your life so much easier. So it really is, uh, yeah, a no brainer. 
And is that something that you um, put your focus on for your clients as well in terms of content inspiration, uh, the creation, and then kind of thinking out the strategy of what to post for those businesses that you're working with? Do you adopt the same mindset as you do for your own account? Yes. So whenever I start working with a brand, one of the key questions in there is give me your recent insights over the last sort of three to six months. And I I clarify specific metrics that I want to see as well. So that is always the starting point because we don't necessarily need or want to start from a completely blank slate. We want to understand what has worked well and what hasn't before. Now, that doesn't mean that you know, you then rule things out because they haven't worked, because it might be that we need to reposition things slightly. It might be that the format wasn't quite right for that topic or that idea. But absolutely, starting with those insights, and then every month, looking back at the previous month, once I start working with a client, that's a really integral part of our process as well, so that we can see what's working, what isn't, and using that to to guide what we then create the following month. Yeah, next question was going to be what the main social platforms that you put your focus on are, um, whether it be promoting your own business or also for the clients that you're working with. Are there similarities? Are there other things that you, you take from your own strategy to apply to the others as well? For me, my main focuses are Instagram, YouTube and email marketing. So it's quite nice to have Instagram for the social media platform, YouTube for search, and then email marketing, because that is something, you know, my email list is something that I own. And I'm sure many social media freelancers know and have heard and have read the, the you know, the, the advice that don't build your whole business on somebody else's land, be that Mark Zuckerberg's or whoever, whoever, you know, these social media platforms, we don't own them, they could disappear tomorrow. So I am always thinking about that and making sure that I have ways to continue to nurture relationships with my audience. So that is why I I have my email marketing, my email list as well. And that is really reflected with the clients I work with. Again, primarily, I am working with my clients on their Instagram strategies, and Instagram is the focus. But wherever possible, I am always saying to them, look, let's start building your email list, or let's reignite your existing email list and start sending out regular newsletters. Because the same the same rules apply, you know, don't I don't just want you marketing on Instagram, I want you to be nurturing those relationships elsewhere. So yeah, it really is. Those are my those are my two Instagram and email marketing. And then YouTube, truthfully, has been such a good lead generator for myself. It is not, you know, it's not ideal for everyone, particularly small business owners. They it's work, YouTube, you know, content creation is a lot of work. So I find that with the smaller business owners, they sort of end up deciding between, is it Instagram? Is it YouTube? Is it, you know, LinkedIn? But I personally can really, really recommend YouTube as a great lead generator. Is there a particular example of content that you as a businesswoman are proud of where you were inspired by something, it paid off? Or on the flip side, if there's, if there's something that you tried out that you had uh, a lot of faith in and actually didn't work out at all. I mean, no shame. Let's just say it. As it no, is. And I love this question because it, the fact like there are so many ideas and I know everyone listening to the, 
to this or relate to the fact that there are many, many, many ideas that you pour your heart and soul into. And if I'm thinking or talking about reels, you know, that the reels that take you hours to create, so often the ones that bomb and then the ones that took you five minutes when you weren't wearing any makeup and you really didn't want to make it, that's the one that just takes off completely. And, you know, I think that is just the name of the social media game. You never, of course, we we can use ins- insights and analytics and strategy, and that is fundamental. But at the end of the day, there are some things that you just cannot control for, or you, you know, you just don't know sometimes what is really going to take off. So there are so many things that didn't work, but you have to just keep going and not focus too much on those individual posts. It's more about your, you know, kind of strategy as a whole. But speaking of things that did really well, there was a uh, a, a quote graphic. There was a, a graphic with some text on it that I created a few months ago. I think it was February or March. And I just got off a call with one of my clients and she was saying to me, I keep reading advice online about how to grow on Instagram and I don't know what to do. I like, I just keep reading these, this advice. And I said to her, you don't need to read any more tips, articles. You do not need, you know, everything you need to know. So stop distracting yourself with all of the advice online and just stick to your strategy and be consistent with it and have some patience. Anyway, I got off this call and I just brain dumped what I said to her onto a well into my notion document first which is where all of my ideas start and I I, honestly it just came out and I didn't edit it I just let it all come out and then a kind of half an hour later I went back and I tweaked it slightly I refined it but it was quite a chunky paragraph and after a bit of editing I just added it to one of my Canva templates uploaded it to Instagram and it was it's been my best performing post this year and for a text graphic, you know, a standalone static image that theoretically shouldn't do well on the, you know, in the Instagram landscape in 2022, when it's all about video, it did so well. And it reached so many people, you know, when I looked at my insights, I think it reached about 12,000 people, 13,000 people, bearing in mind, my follower at the follower count at the time was around 4,000. Um, most of the people it reached were not following me. And I think I got about 50 follows off the back of it, hundreds of saves, 250 saves. It just did really, really well. And it resonated so many shares. Um, Yeah, it just did really well. And it made me laugh because it was one of those posts that just, I didn't overthink it. It just, it was so organic. It came off the back of real conversations with my ideal client, my, you know, my literal client. And I just put it on a text graphic, uploaded it, and it resonated with so many people. So yeah, it just goes to show that so often it's the it's the posts that we don't overthink too much and really come from the heart that do really, really well. And as you say, like so authentic as well. So it's literally something that you just, as you say, brain dumped. Mm. Is this the transition from Instagram strategist to Instagram guru? <laughs> Oh, I hope so. Just, just getting it straight from my brain. Yeah, not even no, 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 no real thinking. Just out of the brain. Dalai Lama, Dalai Instagram. <laughs> well, well done. I'm pretty sure I saw that actually. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm one of the 250 saves. <laughs> okay, uh, final question. And you mentioned a lot of stats uh, just then, and also earlier on. So let's just get it very clear. Which metrics do you pay attention to and why are they 
important to you and why are they important to your clients? So my the primary metrics that I and my clients focus on are, as I call them, the active forms of engagement. So I do not get too obsessed with likes and followers. That is just me personally. I don't focus too much on those. And I advise that to my clients as well. Follower growth is, you know, it's it's a good barometer of are we moving in the right direction. But having worked with lots of brands and influencers who, you know, let's just say a lot of their follower count is not necessarily the most organic follower count. I am focused on what are the active forms of engagement? So saves, website taps, and comments. Those are the three primary metrics I am looking at. Now, anyone based in Europe will know that we can't actually properly track, well, certainly not on Instagram, the app anymore. We cannot track shares because of EU data privacy laws. So saves, website taps, and comments, those are showing me saves what content is really resonating with the audience so much so that they want to go back and reference it later comments because those comments are the beginnings of relationships so often and when we are trying to convert followers on instagram when we are trying to build a really engaged community you can't have that without comments so that is something else that i am always very mindful to keep an eye on and then website taps are we actually getting people so excited by the content that they want to leave instagram arguably website taps are like the holy grail because it may, you know, Instagram makes it really difficult for people to leave Instagram because they make the experience so immersive and enjoyable. And as business owners and content creators, we don't get much of an opportunity to link externally. So if ever there is a piece of content that has driven somebody to actually leave Instagram and check out our website, I want to look at that piece of content and I want to pull it apart and I want to repurpose it and do whatever we did again, again and again and again. So those, yeah, saves, website taps and comments. Those are the three that I'm primarily focusing on. So interesting because they are not common stats, which uh, sort of come up when I'm, when I'm talking to different social media professionals. Then again, you are my very first Instagram strategist and my very first freelancer, actually. So it is interesting oh. to see how, how, the, how the strategies can differ depending on kind of what perspective you're coming mm. from. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting. Okay, here we go. Moving on to the quick fire questions. I have four questions, which I'm going to ask you in quick succession. And I'm looking for the first answer that comes into your head, more or less. What takes up most of your time as a professional working in social media? Content creation, absolutely. Content creation. Yeah, I feel you. Your essential tools for social media marketing. This is easy uh, because I'm always talking about it on Instagram and as part of my own content strategy. So Notion for content planning and organizing all of my ideas. Canva for content creation and designing graphics. Iconosquare for analytics and insights. And I think that's it. Those are my three. Those are my three big hitters. Yeah, solid, solid group there. Your personal favourite accounts on social media? Yes. So from Growing the Doors of London, it's it's nice having that Instagram account, actually, because there are just, it's full of some of totally different Instagram accounts than my business account. So a couple of my absolute favourites are A on the Road, Abby Connick, who is a graphic designer, but she's just doing such cool things and growing her business. And I really admire her. 
And then Mona or Monologue, I think is her Instagram handle, just beautiful cottage core, whimsical content that I just am obsessed with. And finally, your ultimate piece of advice to community managers, other social media managers out there. So I've mentioned it already, but setting up as many systems as you possibly can. So I think systems can sometimes sound a little bit grandiose. That can literally be templates, design templates, caption templates. A system can be calendar blocking or having a set of tools that you rely on. Try to systematize as many parts of your business or your day if you're not running your own business as you possibly can and if you're a bit stuck literally just google how to set up systems in my day or in my business that is the best way to manage everything especially if you're a busy social yeah, social media manager or community manager you know your your days are really really busy and really manic so yeah systematize as much as you can Perfect. Well, listen, Bella, uh, we've come to the end of the interview. I would like to thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and speak with me today for all of the incredible tips that you've given. And, and again, just so interesting to see that from a different perspective, you can imagine the the entire social media marketing world from, from a different point of view, which is really something um, which I'm sure is going to interest a lot of listeners. Yeah. And uh, so thank you very much to our Instagram guru, Bella Foxwell. Thank you for having me, Emily. Thank you. This has been great. Absolute pleasure. And that's all for today's episode. Don't forget you can check out our other tutorials and interviews with experienced social media marketers on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. Please don't hesitate to give this episode a rating. And for all questions and comments, or to inquire about being interviewed on ESM Squared, contact me directly via emily at iconosquared.com.